Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We're in a series called Cries of the Cross. Cries of the Cross. Amen. And what we're doing is we're taking the seven statements that Jesus said on the cross and we're taking those seven statements and we're, we're presenting a message to you because I believe that Jesus was not just saying something, but he was saying something. You got that. Somebody got it. Amen. Praise God. I believe that everything, every word that comes out of Jesus' mouth is to teach us a life lesson. Amen. And I just want to give a recap of, of some of the cries that we talked about. In week one, we talked about a forgiveness cry where Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we talked about how Jesus loves us and how he forgives us, but also how Jesus commands us to forgive others. And I know that we don't often want to talk about the forgiveness part. Amen. We love to talk about the forgiving part by Jesus. But he also commanded us to forgive other people. And I don't get tired of talking about it because it's a biblical principle that Jesus taught. Time and time again, you see in the Bible, Jesus talking about forgiving. And here's the thing. Unforgiveness is poison that we drink expecting the next person to die. It's poison that we drink expecting the next person to die. And the thing is, a lot of us are drinking from that cup of unforgiveness. And it's time for us to forgive. Amen? We also talked about in week two, an eternal cry. And Jesus said on the cross, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And we talked about how heaven is our home. I love John 14 and 6. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself. We talked about how heaven is for everybody that believe in Jesus Christ. But the sad thing is everybody won't believe. Do you? Because there's an eternal life with Christ. But there's also eternal life in hell. It's just the truth of the matter. I know we don't talk about hell a lot. But if you're going to believe there's a heaven, you got to believe there's a hell. Because Jesus also talked about that as well. An eternal cry. Heaven can be your home by faith in Jesus Christ. And he also talked about a faithful cry. In week three where Jesus said, On the cross, he looked down, saw his mother, and said, Woman, here is your son. And we talked about how we should be faithful to stay and also faithful to serve. I love that scripture where John, John is writing this scripture, by the way. um, And he said, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, and then he threw this phrase in there. He said, Whom he loved. 
Here is John writing about whom he loved when John is the one that whom he loved. Like, John, why you got to tell us you the one he loved? We get it. You full of yourself, man. We got you. John, we got you, buddy. But he talked about a faithful stay, a faithful, a faithful serve, being willing to serve the people in your life that's close to you. And week four, we talked about where Jesus was on the cross and he cried with a loud cry, my God, my God, why have, they, why have you forsaken me? And this here is where Pastor Jordan talked about it's okay to ask why, but not who. It's okay for us to ask God the hard questions in our lives. And it's okay also he talked about filling in the blanks with faith and not fear. Amen? Faith and not fear. In week five, uh, Pastor Steve spoke a message titled, A Reality Cry. And he talked about where Jesus was on the cross, and he said, I thirst. And I love how he talked about thirst was like a lack or a loss or a need. And he talked about the humanity of Jesus, how he showed his humanity by saying, I thirst. And that he gets us because he became us. I love that, that we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted just as we are. He gets us. Amen. And I love week six where Pastor Jordan uh, spoke a word. Amen. A victory cry. A victory cry. And this wasn't a cry of, oh, my goodness, it's over. But this was a cry is that the game is over and we win. Come on, I say resurrected Easter Sunday, the game is over and we win. Amen. It's a cry saying like, Lord, death don't have the victory. The grave don't have the sting. Sin no longer has power over my life because I have victory in Jesus. Oh, goodness, I'm about to get excited already. And I haven't even got into my message. <laughs> Amen. I want to read from Luke chapter 23, verse 44 to 46. And this is in the Message Bible. And it says, By now it was noon. The whole earth became dark. The darkness lasts in three hours, a total blackout. The temple curtain was split right down the middle. Jesus called loudly, Father, I place my life in your hands. Then he breathed his last breath. I love the way the King James reads that. It says, and it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness all over the earth, until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple rent in the mist. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he gave up the ghost. I want to talk to you from a subject, a trust cry. A trust cry. Last week, was a cry of triumph and victory. This week is a week of trust. And I love the way Jesus said, 
Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. That word commends means, Lord, I hand over to you. I place it in your hands. I trust you with my life. And I think God is calling all of us to hand over some stuff. I love the way John 10, 14 reads where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too in another fold. I must bring them also and they will heed my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me because I lay down my life that I may have it back again. No one can kill me without my consent. I lay down my life voluntarily. For I have the power to lay it down when I want, and I also have the right and the power to take it again. For the Father has given me this right. I love the fact that he talks about I voluntarily give my life. Nobody made me do it. Nobody uh, forced me to do it. I handed it over willingly. In spite of having the worst day of his life, the worst day ever, being on the cross, being uh, betrayed and denied and being talked about and spit on and beaten, he still was willing, even though he was going through a, a time where he felt like he was rejected and the father had betrayed him. He still said, Lord, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Because he had faith and he believed that God would raise him from the dead. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And Jesus had that. What is the thing that you've been holding on to that's been robbing you of your joy and peace that you need to hand over to God? And I, and I get it. Sometimes we lack trust in God. Maybe it's because of the struggles that we're, we, we, we've been through in our lives. And maybe it's because we can't focus on God because we, we allow the problem to become bigger than our faith. And that's what happens oftentimes whenever we're, we're battling trust. Trusting in God is because I'm looking at my situation and my situation is clouding my vision from seeing God. Kind of like Peter when he walked out on the water. The Bible says that when he obeyed God to come, he walked out on the water. And the Bible said when the wind and the storm began to bolster us, he got afraid and he began to sink. Because he took his eyes off of the one that had the power to allow him to walk on the situation. And he took his eyes and put it on the problem. I believe that the biggest, the biggest problem, the biggest issue in our lack of trust in God is our relationship with God. Because it's hard to trust someone who you don't have a relationship with. 
Nobody want to talk to a stranger and tell a stranger all of their issues. I believe Jesus was showing us that if you have a relationship with God, it's easier to trust him. Jesus said, Father, two times while he was on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then he said again, Father, into your hand I commend my spirit. I think he was showing us that a relationship with God in our hard time, in the darkest moments of our lives, will help us to be able to cope with the problems that we're dealing with. But I believe the problem sometimes as we're having a conversation, but we're having a conversation with a stranger, with somebody we really don't know and we really don't trust. So therefore, we're not really depending on him. You know, kids, they depend on their father. They, they trust in their father. Whenever their father tell them to jump out the tree, they'll jump because they believe that the father will catch them. They have that confidence in the father. I remember when my son was, was, was young and we used to go to the store and he used to see me buy groceries and I swipe my card all the time. Every time we go into the store, he, he began to see me swipe my card. And one day we was in the store and he said, Daddy, buy me something. I said, well, son, I don't have any money. He said, yes, you do. All you have to do is swipe that card. He didn't understand. It ain't nothing on that card today, son. That thing is broke. <laughs> Jesus said, Father, through the injustices that he dealt with, the betrayal, being denied, people scattering out of his life, the people that came to serve him shouted crucify him. The soldiers, the Roman soldiers inflicted pain in his life. The crowd mocked him. They spat upon him, insulted him, and put a crown of thorns on his head. And yet still, he said, I trust you. I think Jesus knew that he had a father that loved him. And I know a lot of times when we talk about fathers, we, we have this negative thought sometimes in our lives because maybe we didn't have a good relationship with our father. And, and maybe we, 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 we were betrayed or, 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 or we were abused or because of we saw anger in our father and we are bitter towards them and we felt abandonment in that relationship. I want to let you know that you got a father that loves you today. I want to know you got a, you got a father who's caring, a father that will comfort you, a father that's consistent, a father that's close, and a father who's capable of meeting your every need. Jesus loves you today, and God will never leave you nor forsake you. You can wrap your arms around that. He's a loving father, amen? And you can trust him with your problems. You can trust him with your problems today. I love John chapter 6. 
John chapter 6, and this is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And it says, after this, Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. A huge crowd followed him, attracted by the miracles they had seen him do among the sick. When he got to the other side, he climbed a hill and sat down. Surrounded by his disciples, it was nearly time for the feast of the Passover, which was kept annually by the Jews. When Jesus looked out and saw that a large crowd had arrived, he said to Philip, where can we buy bread to feed these people? He said this to stretch Philip's faith. I wonder if it could be some of the problems that we're faced with, that we're going through. Could it be that he's stretching our faith? Could it be that he's trying to get us to get closer to him, to know him better, to be in a relationship with him where we can trust him better? Because he already knew what he would do. But he's trying to get us to know that I have the power to do anything in your life. Philip answered 200 civils. Pieces wouldn't be enough to buy bread for each person to get a piece. Like, Jesus, what are you, what are you talking about? One of the disciples, it was Andrew, brother to Simon Peter, said, now, I, I have a little humor here. He said, you know, you know how kids can be, because he said, there's a, there's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but I can't catch him. He's running around. And you know how kids are when you ask them, say, let me get some. They be like, it's mine. But maybe the kid didn't do that. But anyway, but he, he was like, That's it. even that is a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. And I love how he said, Jesus said to make the people sit down. And there was a nice carpet of grass in this place. And they sat down about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread and having given thanks, gave to those who were seated. And he did the same with the fish. All ate as much as they wanted. I love this story because it shows us that our problem is a problem when it's in the wrong hand. When it was in the kid's kid hand, they couldn't do nothing with it. When they, it was in the disciples' hands, they couldn't do anything with it. But when they placed the two fish and the five loaves in the hands of Jesus, he was able to deal with the problem. And I'm telling you today, if you would take your problems and put them in the hands of the Lord, God can deal with them. Oftentimes, we go to our family members and the doctors and lawyers and our supervisors and everybody else to handle the problem. It is good to go to people, but some things are impossible with people, but all things are possible with God. Oh, I could have got a better amen than that. All things are possible with God. You can trust him. Just hand it over. Hand over your family. Some of your family members that are sick, are addicted on, uh, in addiction, that's far from God. 
Come on, some of our kids, you know how we can hold on to kids and not trust God, but trust ourselves for their lives. You can hand it over to God. Put it in the master's hand and watch him do a work. Because all of us face problems. And sometimes life can be going so good. So good. All of my goals and my, my, my finances and my health, everything is so good. My kids are doing well. And all of a sudden, it'll be a my God, my God moment. Life can throw you a curveball. And everything starts to go crazy in, in, in your life. How do we trust God in these circumstances when my, my, my mom's in the hospital and she's about, you know, dying with cancer? My kids, who I know I taught well, is headed for destruction. About to lose my job. How do I trust through these difficult circumstances? When I don't understand, God, what's happening in my life? Good questions that I think God want to walk with us through. He want to help us navigate through life. And I think that we just got to surrender, submit to God. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Submit, literally surrender to God. Say, God, I cease resistance. I, I cease trying to do it on my own. I cease fighting against you, Lord. And I surrender unto you. Jesus say, Lord, Father, into your hands, I surrender my spirit. A lot of us are fighting with God. We're playing tug of war. Both of us can't drive the car. You can't be a co-pilot of your problems. You got to let God take control. Proverbs 3 and 5 says to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will. He will direct your path. Acknowledge him. Talk to him. Tell him about your struggles and everything you're going through. Tell him, ask him the hard question. My God, my God, don't let your emotions rule. Bring them to God. He understands. He, he gets us. He gets us. He know we need help. Amen? He's not disappointed or frustrated with our fears and our struggles and our doubts, our pains. You can trust him with all of those things. I love 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, let him have all your worries and cares because he is always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you, everything that's on your mind, everything you care about. He cares about you, so everything you care about is in God's hands. I think we got to seek truth in, his, in the scriptures as well. Like not just surrender, but seek truth in the scriptures. Begin to, to, to read the word of God and allow the word of God to minister to your life. 
I love the way it says in Psalms 119. He says, by your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. I've committed, committed myself, and I'll never turn back from living by your righteous order. We got to commit ourselves unto God. He said, if you draw nigh unto me, I'll draw nigh unto you. Commit yourself to reading God's word and standing on the word of God. Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Oh, Lord, I might be, I might be able to get on the team. <laughs> See, the word of God, he said, I committed myself and I'll never turn back from living by your righteous order. Everything's falling apart on me. Do you feel like that? Everything is falling apart in my life. God, put me together again with your word. God's word is your comfort. God's word is a rock that you can stand on. All of the promises of God are yea and amen. He said, adorn me with your finest sands, God. Teach me your holy rules. My life is as close as my own hands, but I don't forget what you have revealed. The wicked do their best to throw me off track, but I don't swerve an inch from your course. Let's not live a life where we're swerving by not trusting in God, by worrying about our problems because worry is simply a torn or divided mind meaning I'm swerving one way God you got it and the next minute I got it let's not live a life where we're swerving to trust in God amen we also need community when we're dealing with problems that are tough and, and these situations in our lives like you need partnership you need community you need fellowship with other believers because the enemy want us to be alone during these times of darkness I love what Jesus said um I love what sorry excuse me I love what he says in Acts chapter 2 verse 41 he says so then those who had received his word were baptized and that day, there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They fellowship together. And this is what God is calling us to do is to fellowship. Have someone who will walk beside you, someone who when you're going through your deepest sorrow, your deepest troubles, your dark times in life, you have someone in your life that you can call. You don't have to walk through it alone because we all have dark times in our lives and you need somebody on your team. Please don't try to do it alone. We also need to establish a lifestyle of prayer. I believe that Jesus I know Jesus lived the life of prayer. Oftentimes we see Jesus how he went out to pray, how he left the crowd to go out and to pray and to talk to God. Because sometimes you just got to disconnect to reconnect. 
pull away from people, pull away from, from your situation, from the, from the job, from, from, the, from the family members, everybody, so that I can pray and talk to God. Amen? Philippians 4, 6, this is a scripture I love. It should be, every believer should know it. Paul tells us, don't fret or worry. Instead, just pray. Prayer, prayer is saying, God, here, take it. I give it to you. Trust God with your problem. Trust him also with your plans. A lot of us are walking on shaky ground because we don't know what God has planned for us. It don't matter what your life looked like, how, how bad it may seem, God had a, has a plan for you. But sometimes we don't understand how our suffering fits in with God's plan. How, how does the thing, the, the problems in my life fits in with your plan, God? Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, this is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. In this scripture here, oftentimes, you know, we love this scripture. We put it on our refrigerator. We, we have it on our, our, our screen savior. We, we, we put it everywhere. We got it highlighted in our Bibles. But during this time, the children of Israel were in captivity. They had false prophets telling them that God was about to deliver them. But that wasn't the case. Jeremiah was telling them that you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. You're going to walk through darkness. You're going to have trials. You're going to have pain in your life. But in spite of it, he said, I know the plan that I have for your life. Do you trust it? Can you trust the plan that I have for your life in the moments that you're in? The darkest moments. He said, while you're in it, what would make it better if you would seek me? with all your heart because the more you seek me the closer you will get to me and the more you will trust me and my plans will become clearer to you I think we all just need to say yes to God's plan Jesus said Lord not my will but yours be done I trust your plan for my life by faith. As I close, I think we should also just trust his plan of salvation for your life. Trust him with your problems. Trust him with your plans. But trust him for salvation. Because he has a plan for your life. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us are guilty before God. 
The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus by faith. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on God is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Trust his plan of salvation. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. The biggest problem you will ever have is not, is not trusting Jesus. The worst plan you would ever have is not having Jesus in your plan. You can trust him today because he loves you. Let us bow our heads.